Westerners and the Western way of thinking is very reductionist. It simplifies things into very, very idealistic and easy to understand ways of thinking, I suppose. I like to call this the Western colonial mindset. I don't know if it's already a term that's being used or something that someone's already given a different name for, but that's how I conceptualize it. The Western colonial mindset is when people born in Western countries who aren't always, you know, forever born Westerners, it can be people from immigrant families as well, they're born in this country, they go through the education systems and they come to understand the world in a very naive, westernized mindset. They see other countries as monoliths. They see nationality as being the most defining feature or something, right? They don't see ethnicity, for instance. But whether we want to believe it or not, ethnicity divides us far more than nationalities ever will. You see, nations are temporary. Nations come and go. We've seen thousands of nations probably over thousands of years. There's been so many different nations, states, whatnot. One thing that's always true is that none of these nations last forever. They're temporary constructs, right? We want to believe that our flags are forever, but they're not. Even the American flag on the moon today has been bleached white by the sun's ultraviolet rays and radiation or whatnot. Whenever the USA inevitably collapses in 10 years or 10,000 years, there will be no trace of it left apart from whatever's written in history books. Even on the moon will just be a white flag to ever suggest that there was anything there at all, right? So... Nations are overwhelmingly temporary. They will not stand the test of time. So nationalism by extension is a very futile thing. Why are you investing so much time into nationalism when ultimately it means very little, right? Your nationality is temporary. Your nationality is also always at the stake of being lost. Countries come and go, even in the modern day. We've seen countries come into existence and disappear. For example, right? Let's take, uh, what do we take? Hmm. Let's take Bangladesh, right? Bangladesh before 1971 was a country called East Pakistan. It was part of Pakistan as a whole. There was East and West Pakistan. In the East, you had what is now Bangladesh. It encompassed much of the area known as Bengal. That's a geographic and cultural region. It spans modern-day India and Bangladesh. Bengal is the home of the ethnic Bengalis, hence the name. There are other ethnicities as well, but Bengalis are the majority in that area. So... People before then, they would be known as these Pakistanis. That was a nationality, but people didn't identify as that, right? They identified either as Pakistani or Bang uh, Bengali. Bangladesh wasn't a thing until the war finished. So these countries, they come and go. Even Bangladesh one day will no longer be a country. It will be something else. Who knows where it will be? That's something for the far, far future or five years' times, depending on how the current politics go. So... The point to be made here is that nationalities are pointless. They're very futile. They're not going to last forever. So why do we tend to rely so much on nationality in our societies? Take, for instance, the UK. A UK national is either Northern Irish, Scottish, English, Welsh, and then there's a bunch of dominions and whatnot, right? But these are the main ones. And people will identify themselves as just English, just Scottish, just Welsh, just Northern Irish or whatever, but ultimately they are British, right? They're from the UK, that's a nationality. British is a nationality. There's no such thing as an English national because England isn't a sovereign state. The UK is a sovereign state. England is a constituent country of that sovereign state. This is a complicated matter in itself, but I don't care about the UK's politics because it's so old-fashioned and antiquated, right? 
people want to believe that because of the way the UK is laid out, ethnicity doesn't matter that much. But perhaps this might have been true when the UK was still a colonial state. In the modern day, not so much, right? Even amongst the white people, there is a lot of separation between ethnicities. The Scottish, for example, don't really like the English. They really don't like each other. And Scottish and English being ethnicities are two distinct topics in in itself, right? But there's a, there's a clear divide between them. They've got different dialects. They speak differently, whatnot. They dress differently even. Some even look differently. Two ethnicities. Ethnicity is a construct, after all, with some scientific features like genealogy and whatnot. But these two groups, they don't really like each other. And in the modern day, this is threatening the the state of the UK. Because if Scotland wants to leave and they vote to leave, what will be left? We'll have Wales and Northern Ireland still. But the UK without Scotland, in my opinion, is not the UK. It's not really the United Kingdom at that point. It's more like a slightly dysfunctional kingdom. So even amongst white people, ethnicity is a huge factor. You can see that in Europe as well. World War II was an ethnic conflict between ethnic Germans, Nazi Germany and many many other groups ethnic jews slavs poles all these groups were being oppressed and attacked in various different ways the war was incredibly complicated we just simplified it by giving it an ideological understanding of the world right but ideology does not explain things ideology is simply a lens i suppose in the way the world works it's only one perspective ethnic groups right organized ethnic groups will choose ideologies based on their needs Let's take, for instance, South Asia. South Asia in the post-colonial period was a mess. Unlike common belief, there was no India before colonialism ended. 1947, the partition of India happened. India as a state is a modern concept. I want to get this very, very clear. There was no India before colonialism, right? Before then, it was a lot of empires and kingdoms and whatnot, such as the Mughals. And these empires came and went. But there was never a unified singular state called India. It was always many different kingdoms or a confederation of different kingdoms working under one emperor or king or whatnot. But people want to simplify it very deeply to understand partition and to understand conflict and the way the world changed after partition and after post-colonialism. But it doesn't help you understand anything at all. Instead, you must focus on ethnicity instead and the way these different cultures affect each other regarding ethnicity so carefully. Take for instance the state of Punjab. Punjab is an area in South Asia that is split between Pakistan and India. Muslim Punjabis went to Pakistan, Hindu Punjabis went to India for the most part. There are still minority groups in both countries. But, you know, this state was split and the ethnic Punjabis have been split between these two countries. This is immediately one example of how ethnicity is so incredibly complicated and how nationalities are so incredibly complicated. Ethnic groups don't always want to be part of a country. Partition was complicated because religion got involved as well and religion is this whole other topic to talk about. Religion divides in many different ways. I'm not talking about religion right now, I'm talking about ethnicity. Different groups have different causes and different goals. They're oppressed differently or they might be oppressing others differently. So, you know, they have different ideologies as a natural consequence. South Indians, for example, take for instance the state of Kerala. They tend to be much more left-wing and they tend to adopt more revolutionary ideologies because historically they were discriminated against by Northern Indians. 
So it makes sense that they would adopt a revolutionary ideology that sees everyone as equal, every single person as an equal, and their peers, you know, comrades, for example. Take Balochistan in Pakistan, which is... Balochistan actually spans quite a bit. It spans, I think... I might be wrong about this. Pakistan, Iran, and Afghanistan. So Balochistan is the land of the Baloch, which is an ethnic group. They, many of them want their own state because they don't identify themselves with the nations of Afghanistan, Iran, or Pakistan. They instead identify themselves with their ethno-states, Balochistan. We have ethno-states in the modern day. Bangladesh, in my opinion, could be considered an ethno-state because it was founded as a country for the Bengalis. There was a whole war about it because Bengalis were oppressed under the Pakistani system of government until 1971 when there was a civil war and things got very messy. By rejecting the idea that these ethnicities have an effect on one another because of our Western colonial mindsets, you fail to understand how these conflicts are driven. These conflicts are incredibly complicated and have hundreds of years of history behind them, religions behind them, decades of oppression behind them, if not centuries. There are reasons behind everything and the reasons that they occur go back so, so far. Even the Bengalis, for instance, Colonialism had a massive effect on the way we perceive different groups in South Asia because the British divided different ethnic groups based on whether they could be used as military commanders because they were seen as people who are um, better suited to warfare or as more, what's the word for this, bureaucratic you know, staff I guess or just regular people because they didn't see them as uh, worthy for the military and instead were better for pushing pens around, right? This British way of thinking created a lot of tension in South Asia that we still see today, right? Because it led to, for instance, the West Pakistanis oppressing East Pakistanis for a majority of Bengali because Bengalis were designated as one of those races that couldn't be put into the military at the time because in the 1800s, in Bengal, which was a region, as I've said before, there was a rebellion there. And the way the British wanted to make sure this never happened again is by disarming all Bengalis for a very long time. This led to a lot of animosity between Bengalis and a lot of his other ethnic groups. You know, it's so, so complicated. But you can't explain it by saying Bangladesh and Pakistan hate each other. That's just stating something. A statement is not an explanation. And even then, it's not even very true anymore. Today, Bangladesh and Pakistan have pretty normal relations like any other countries. Of course the war happened, the genocide happened, but they have aligned themselves again based on religious lines rather than ideological lines, right? That does make sense. By reducing these fights into monoliths of ideology, you fail to understand them properly. It's a very, very Western way of thinking. This how we've applied our way of thinking to communism, capitalism, for example, even in Europe, right? It was never about just capitalism versus communism or fascism and whatnot, right? There were always facts behind it. And World War II, in my opinion, was a largely ethnic conflict. Even World War I began as an ethnic conflict in modern-day Balkans region or whatever, right? Yugoslavia. Have a look at what Yugoslavia was between 1917 and 1950. Civil war after civil war, right? Government after government. Nazi occupation, Italian fascist occupation. You had different ethnic groups killing different ethnic groups that happened again during the fall of Yugoslavia in the 90s, right? It's, it's a complicated matter. Ideology doesn't explain the reason people fight the way they do. 
The Middle East is a great example, for instance, but I'm not even going to begin talking about that because that is just too much to talk about. Let's go back to the West now, right? In the West, we champion this liberal idea of diversity being a strength. In my opinion, we're, we're taking it a little bit too far because they're trying to integrate people that cannot be integrated 100%. You can integrate a white person into a white country. Let's say you're integrating a Polish family into the UK. The first generation, they will be seen as immigrants because they will speak Polish or have an accent or whatnot. People will be able to tell that they're Polish, right? Second generation, it changes. You know, the children, they go to British schools, they speak with a British accent maybe. They still know their home language. Now they might be seen as British Polish or Polish immigrants still, you know, they've got a new label basically. There's a progression. They're going from being foreign to more and more naturalized third generation or fourth generation they might be completely integrated we don't know but chances are they will be because they're white they're white passing well not white passing they are white they can blend in very easily into the local nation the uk and that means they won't be faced with discrimination or whatnot that's naturalization integration whatever you want to call it take a south asian for instance not so easy first generation they're seen as an immigrant they speak a different language they eat different foods. Second generation, they're seen as children of immigrants, right? Still not people who are British, always immigrants, right? Third generation, fourth generation, even if they forget their mother tongue, even if they eat English food, they will never be seen as English. Do you know why? Because, well, for starters, English is an ethnicity, sort of, and also they're brown, right? White people in the UK, brown people in the UK, the skin colors do not match. Is suggested in the name they will never match people will never see them as equals because they don't look the same they'll always have a different lens between them they'll always perceive them differently this is a massive problem because we're pretending that this issue doesn't exist we're pretending that everything is fine that racism doesn't exist that people don't pursue or perceive people in different ways by doing this we're setting ourselves up for a lot of issues there's gonna be a lot of people with no idea of what they are who they are in the future because they weren't able to identify themselves with any side they won't have a memory of the language to the country that their family came from. They will instead speak perfect English, English accents. But the English won't accept them as fully English, for instance. All right. I've noticed that in certain countries, they do it better than others. English are a little bit more racist. I find the Scottish are quite accepting of immigrant families. But white and brown, it won't mix. Mixed race families over time maybe will change things, right? That's a different topic entirely, but it's difficult to naturalize. Take Shamima Begum, for example. In the UK, she was a British citizen of Bangladeshi origin who went to fight for ISIS and whatnot. She had her British citizenship revoked by the government in a move that was widely regarded as absolutely insane, but populists, they loved it. And the British government said, send it to Bangladesh. The Bangladeshi government said no. Do you know why they said no? Because it's very simple. She's not a Bangladeshi citizen. She hasn't got a Bangladeshi passport. She's never lived in Bangladesh. She's lived in London her entire life. Bethnal Green, the UK, whatnot. She isn't Bangladeshi. Bengali, but not Bangladeshi. Mixing ethnicity and nationality makes things very complicated. It seems that the Westerners want to see people as, you know, belonging to the nation when it's convenient for them and they belong to an ethnicity when it's convenient to them. It's never one consistently, it's always one or the other depending on what their goal is. 
It's a problem within ethnic communities as well. There are a lot of westernized ethnic children, basically, teenagers and whatnot, who believe in this idea of, well, it's the American term, isn't it? POC, people of color. They want us to feel solidarity with one another, right? But ultimately, this term does not work because we face different problems. This isn't a racist point of view. This is a factual point of view. An Indian immigrant and an African-American immigrant in America, the USA, they're not going to experience the same things, right? Indian-American, African-American, they live two different cultures. They are not the same because they have melanin in their skin color. It's so absurd to me, right? Let's take... Let's imagine, right, you're, you're in the USA, you have an English immigrant come over and a Polish immigrant come over. Would you group them into the same group, right? Sure, they're both immigrants, but they won't, they won't know shit about one another. Why would they know anything about one another? They're not from the same country. They don't speak the same language. They might speak English eventually, of course, because they're immigrants of the USA, an English-speaking country, but they're not from the same area. They're not the same ethnicity. Why do they do the same? With brown people just because they're brown doesn't mean that they understand each other automatically right we don't have the same motivations the same goals it doesn't make sense to do that but people do it anyways in the uk the term used to be b-a-m-e i think it meant black asian middle eastern right it was a lump term but the, the reason we use that here was different it was more so for the government helping disadvantaged families in that context it's okay because it's true burped my bad that these groups have different needs, right? In the UK, they are marginalised, they don't have the same access to resources because they're new families, they need those resources, they're not as integrated, right? So it's good that that group exists, it's a disadvantaged thing, the same as having special um, secessions, not secessions, what's it called? Benefits, basically, special benefits for people who are in a specific band of the working class. These people are largely working class and they have the additional disadvantage of being from different country and whatnot right but to lump people in socially and see them as this one thing socially and to believe that their causes should be the same because they're from different places is so harmful to us i encourage you if you use these terms like poc or bame to lump people in for social masses that you stop doing it immediately it is not the same it is not that simple even among ethnicities right the arabs for example the Arab world is incredibly diverse, even if it is just one large major ethnicity, right? They speak Arabic, sure, but dialects are different, culture is still different. We need to remove this Western colonialist understanding of the world, right? We need to remove the idea of monoliths. Every single country is as diverse as another, right? We can understand the UK being diverse, it has had the troubles, colonialism, Scotland, Wales, England, Northern Ireland, all the dominions, all of these places make the UK what it is. It's very complicated. North, South divide, wealth, poverty, Thatcherism. Every country has its own story of these things. Every single country as is as equally messed up, incredibly diverse. And ultimately, no one from those countries wants to be seen as some simplified version of themselves. If you are from an immigrant family in the UK, understand why you might find yourself aligning yourself so strongly with a single nationality. But try to remember that your ancestors, many of your ancestors were around before these things even existed, right? Your ethnicity will always come first. Your language, the way you think, ultimately your community is what comes first. And over time, that's gonna mean your local community in the UK, right? If you live in the UK, that means your friends who aren't your ethnicity, 
the place, the places you go, the place you live, that will always be more important than the larger picture, the country. Don't become entangled in this trap of nationalism. Nationalism is a very, very silly little thing, right? We don't want any silly things in our lives. So think a little bit more carefully about your mindset and the way you perceive the world. It will do you a lot of good to see the world in a more pragmatic manner. Thank you for listening.